Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Thank you, and good morning. Let's take a moment to pray together. Lord, we're grateful to be in your house, to be in your presence, to be able to lift our voice in praise and worship. Today, Lord, we say we love you. We belong to you. We are your servants, and we are here to hear your voice. I pray, Lord, you'd help me today to say everything that you've placed upon my heart and in my spirit. I pray that anything that is my thoughts and my opinions will be set aside and that we might hear today the voice of the Lord God speaking to us. We pray for a fresh move of your spirit. We pray for a fresh wind to blow and a fresh fire to fall. And I pray you'd help me as I break the bread of life in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say just a few things before I read the text from Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Today is 9-11. 21 years ago, the world changed. I believe that what happened 21 years ago was a warning call from heaven. I'm convinced of that. I believe it was a warning to the Americans and the Canadians that unless there is repentance, judgment will come. I believe as a pastor, I have been called to be a watchman on the wall. I could say a lot of interesting, funny things to you today and entertain you, but I believe that I've been called by God to be a watchman on the wall and to sound an alarm. I'm troubled in my spirit today because in spite of the warning, our nations have not turned to God. I believe that the sins that brought the warning are the sins that continue until this very hour. I believe there are two predominant sins for which judgment is coming. One is the extinction of the unborn. 60 million babies never got a chance to live. 60 million, six, zero. 
It's hard to comprehend. In the Second World War, six million Jews were put to death. It's called the Holocaust. It's been multiplied ten times. I believe the second great sin of our culture is the perversion of marriage, the sacred institution that God founded. People say to me, well, all sins are equal. No, they're not. Read the book of Romans. There are some sins that cause God to give up on a people. There was a day when we were ashamed of our sin. But in our culture, it's paraded. It's called pride parade. And as people march in the streets, I believe in essence they're raising their fists to God in defiance of his institution. This is just not the opinion of a cranky old man. I believe that we need, as watchmen on the wall, to raise our voice and to speak out. And I want to say to us today that the hope of our nations is neither in Washington or in Ottawa. The hope of our nation lies with God's people. Because he said, if my people, not if the politicians, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, and will I hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. I love this nation. I'm grateful to be a part of it. I've traveled the world. But I want to say today that we are in desperate, urgent need of healing, of restoration. And on this anniversary of 9-11... I wish to raise my voice and to call all of us to turn to God, to seek his face, and to walk with him. Second thing I want to say, and then I'll, I'll preach the message. I want to welcome all of you who are online. I'm grateful for for the online, online capabilities, for many of the people who are physically unable to go to the house of God. But I want to say a word, and I know you can push the button and shut me off, and that's okay. But I want to say today that if you're at home because it's convenient, I want to remind you that the Word of God tells us that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But we exhort one another so much the more as we see 
the day approaching. So here's my word to you. If you're home because of convenience and you're in your pajamas and enjoying your coffee, shake yourself, rise up. Come back to the house of God, wherever it is that you worship, because that is absolutely important, and that is the word of the Lord for us. Now let me come to the text. It's related in many ways. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says repent. That means change your mind, turn around, change your ways. And be converted that your sins may be blotted out. So that, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. These are the words of a part of the message that Peter preached to the great crowd that gathered after the healing of the lame man. And he called the people to repentance, and he promised a divine response. He called it times of refreshing, And he connected it to the presence of the Lord. I want to talk about those two things. Times of refreshing, the presence of the Lord. I have a sense in my spirit that God wants to bring a time of refreshing to the church, this church, and the church at large across our nation. Last Sunday, Serena brought a prophetic word. You may have heard it as an announcement, but I heard it as a prophetic word about a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of the Lord. So let me talk about refreshing. I want to share three quick things. I I believe that refreshing means to get a fresh breath of air. In this case, God breathes. Sometimes our relationship with God becomes stale. And it is imperative that the windows of heaven open and a fresh breath of God come upon us. It says in Genesis 2-7, after God had molded Adam's body out of the dust of the earth, it said that God breathed into Adam's nostrils and he became a living soul. The prophet Ezekiel one day stood in a valley. It was spread with dry bones. And he heard the voice of the Lord calling, saying, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. The breath of God brings life out of death. I've often asked myself the question about the Canadian church. Can we ever have revival? Can these bones ever live again? 
And I hear the Spirit of God saying, yes, I will breathe upon the bones and they will rise and they will live. So the, the prophet Ezekiel prayed a prayer and I suggest it's a good prayer for us to pray today. He said, come four winds, breathe on these slains that they may live. And the prayer and the cry of my heart is that God will one more time breathe upon the dead bones of the church and that we will come alive. We will rise up to become a mighty army for God. Jesus said, when talking about this breath and this wind, the wind blows. And on resurrection evening, it said he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, there came a rushing, mighty wind, and it filled the house. And my prayer is that the Spirit of Almighty God will come like a rushing, mighty wind and fill this house with his divine presence until we are endued with power from on high. Refreshing means God breathed. The second thing that refreshing means, it means to give rest. Many of God's people are weary. Life takes its toll. We talk about having a refreshing sleep. As Isaiah said, even the youths will faint and grow weary, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary, and they'll walk, and they'll not faint. Isaiah prophesied, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. What is the refreshing? It's when the breath of Almighty God touches us again. The third thing that refreshing indicates is that it means to do something again. It is to refresh. That means it brings it back to its original state. And I want to suggest today that the bride of Christ needs to be freshened up. We need to become appealing once more to a lost world. A fresh touch of the spirit of Almighty God. And you find that all through the Bible, the prayers. Let me give you just three really quick. Psalm 51 verse 10 says, renew a right spirit within me. I cannot tell you how many times I've had to pray that prayer for God to renew a right spirit because my spirit can get wrong really easy. The psalmist also prayed in Psalm 51 verse 12, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And I've discovered from time to time that I need a restoration of his joy, the joy of his presence. So the psalmist prayed in Psalm 85, verse 6, revive us again. 
again and again. Refreshing. Peter talked about the times of refreshing. Let me expand on that just a bit. In the New Testament, there are two Greek words for time. One is chronos, from which we get chronology. It simply means the time of day. It's 10.45 a.m., chronos time. But the second word that is used in the Bible is the word kairos. And kairos is a fixed or a definite period of time. It's called in the book of Thessalonians, times and seasons. There are times and seasons in our spiritual journey and in the church. It has the connotation of being an opportune time. That's why when Jesus came, he said to the people, you did not know the time of your visitation. And so he came and he went and most of the people didn't know he had been here or otherwise he didn't fit into their concept of what the Messiah should be like. And he said, you missed the time of your visitation. I've lived a long time now. Some days I think too long. I'm anxious to go home and see his face. But I've lived long enough to witness the church miss at least four significant visitations of God. Missed because it didn't come like we thought it ought to come. And I know that many of you are young here and you're new and you probably don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But I'm going to tell you some stories at the end that'll, that'll bring you in, so stay with me. The Kairos time is a time of opportunity. It, it has a beginning and it has an end. It's called a visitation. If I were to make a visitation to your house, there'd be a time when I come, and you'd thank God there'd be a time when I'd go. <laughs> because if I stayed, it would become habitation. And what you discover as you go through the Bible and as you look at history, and I've studied revival intensely for the past almost 70 years. There is a time when it begins and, and when it ends. It's called visitation. It's a time when God comes. Let me explain it this way. Genesis 21, 1, it said, and the Lord visited Sarah. She's barren. But God visited her, and out of her barrenness came Isaac, son of laughter and joy. 
I believe that only a visitation from heaven will break the barrenness that persists across the body of Christ in the Western world. In Ruth chapter 1, verse 6, it says that God had visited his people. And if you go to that story, it's a story about a family that left the place of God and went, as we'd called it, to the world. They went to Moab. And there in Moab, Papa and the two boys die. And Naomi, the only one that's left, hears the word that the Lord had visited Israel once again. And it was that visitation that caused the prodigal to come home. And I believe this coming visitation that is going to come to our church is going to bring the prodigals home. And with them, they'll bring their friends a visitation from the Lord. 1 Samuel 1, 2.21 said the Lord visited Hannah. And the prophet was the first prophet, the release of the prophetic word. The psalmist in Psalm 80 drew a picture of the nation of Israel as a vine. And he said, I took you out of Egypt and I planted you in the land of promise. And I expected fruit from this vine, but the vine went wild. And so the psalmist is now praying and he cries, look down from heaven and visit this vine. That's the cry, the prayer, the longing of my heart and my spirit. I cry out to God, God, look down from heaven. Visit this vine. Make us fruitful once more. Times of refreshing. I believe in my heart that God wants to bring to this church and the Canadian church, a time of divine visitation where we'll be renewed and refreshed and revived and will be changed. Now let me wrap up the message and I want to tell you a couple of stories. But this renewal, this revival, this visitation is associated to the presence of God. In fact, it is initiated by a hunger for his presence. A holy dissatisfaction begins to arise in his spirit. I, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not here to be critical. I'm here to give us hope. I'm not here to bash the church. I love the church, this church, and the body of Christ. I'm here today to try to say to us that there is more. That there is more. That's what I'm trying to say. There is more for us. And it is connected with the presence of the Lord. Let me read some scriptures quickly. Psalm 63, verse 1 to 2. He, it's a prayer, he said, oh God, 
I heard an old preacher 50 years ago saying, we, missed, we lost that old God part. Now it's dear God. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and to see your glory. When I come to church, yes, I'm interested in who's here, but what I really want to know is if he's here. That's what I really want to know. I want to know if, if he's here. Because it's not about us. It's been a subtle change and too much about us and not enough about him. And the psalmist is crying out, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My heart, my soul thirsts for you and cries after you. I'm looking for you when I come. I want to see your power, and I want to see your glory. I relate to that text 25 years ago. I was tired of church. Oh, the church was doing okay. We had seven, eight hundred people. I had the service down to 57-minute model. I mean, after all, people had reservations at the restaurant. But something came into my heart. I was tired of church. I was tired of the programs. Some Sundays, I didn't want to go. That's really bad when you're the pastor. That's really, really bad. And I began to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, if you touch me, I'll sign up again. And if you don't, I'm done. I'd rather sell real estate. I just can't do this anymore. And I began to cry out to God without making it a long story. All I want to tell you is that, that God responded to my cry and touched me. I found a joy I'd, I'd never known before. I found a sense of his presence that I'd always longed for. And all I want to say today that if there's an emptiness in your spirit, if there's a holy dissatisfaction, I'm not talking about a critical spirit. I'm talking about a holy dissatisfaction. I'm talking about a cry that rises from out of your heart and into your, out of your spirit into the very presence of God. A cry for renewal and refreshing and reviving and restoring. Moses said to God one day, when God said, I'm sending you to the promised land, but I'm not going. Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with me, don't ask me. 
I've said that to the Lord over and over again as I've walked the aisle to preach. If your presence doesn't come, don't send me to that pulpit. Because what do I have to offer unless your presence is with us? Said about Moses that when he had finished the tabernacle and he put everything in order, that the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priests could not rise to minister. Said about Solomon, and this is my last verse. Solomon built the beautiful temple. One of the most beautiful structures this world has ever seen. But Solomon knew that that beautiful structure was just that unless it was inhabited by the presence of God. Said about Solomon that he kneeled down upon his knees and he began to pray and he began to call out to God for his presence. And it said the house was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not rise to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. That's what I long for. That's what you long for. That's the cry deep down here in your heart, whether you know it or not. It's a cry for his presence. Let me tell you a couple of stories to close in case you don't understand what I'm talking about. In the early 70s, I was a pastor in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan when we experienced a visitation from heaven. For 45 nights in the largest auditorium in the city, we had two services every night. Hundreds, thousands of people were touched by God. The presence was so pervasive that often the meetings were open before anybody sang a song or anybody preached a sermon. The altar call was given. If you're here and you're not right with God, get out of your seat and come. And they got out of their seats by the scores and by the hundreds and ran to the altar to get right with God. Husbands and wives who had been estranged, some divorced, found each other at the altar, were reconciled and restored. The department store said there was a lineup of people bringing back stolen goods or coming to pay for things they had taken. 
the income tax department said there was a line of people coming to say, I've defrauded the government. I want to make it right. It was a visitation of holiness. It was a time when God came. I visited Pensacola because I went every place where I heard God was working. I went to Pensacola and I watched the people line up in the parking lots, sometimes for 12 hours before the meeting to get in to have a seat. And I watched as the altar calls were given, people running, weeping to the altars, hundreds, hundreds, every single night for four solid years. It was a visitation from God. Over the years, in downtown, we often had a visitation from God. And when God came, you couldn't keep the people home. They kept saying, why can't we come back tomorrow night? And once we went 21 nights in a row, people came early. They wouldn't go home. Sometimes I would say to the people, whoever's the last one out, shut out the lights because I've been here for four hours and I need to go. And the question is, what was it? Wasn't the good preaching. Wasn't the good music. It wasn't the great program. It was the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand today. Everybody stand. I want you to take your neighbor's hand. We're all with one accord here in one place today. And I want us to join together in prayer and pray for a visitation from heaven. Lord, I ask you to look down on us this morning. We're your people. We're bought with your blood. And we love you. And we want to be all that you want us to be. But Lord, there's a cry in our heart today for more. We're thankful for all you've done. But there's this cry in our hearts, Lord, for more. More of your presence. I pray that the fresh wind will blow through our church. I pray that fresh fire will fall from heaven upon all of us. We cry out, breath of God, breathe on us. One more time. Let the prodigals come back. Let the lost be brought in. Let our nation 
be saved. As all across this great nation, people turn, your people turn to you and begin to cry out, forgive us our sins and cleanse us. We pray in your name. Amen. We're going to sing this song about the presence of the Lord. Just stay standing. I'm not going to keep you long. Pastor Tim will come. But I want to sing this song as a prayer. Sing it together as the body of Christ in C3 Church. Your presence. Your presence, Lord. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.